Hey guys, welcome to Those Murder Girls Podcast. This is Raina, your host, and today I have for you the tragic story of Rhea Ramakusen and her little baby boy, Javon Thompson. Rhea moved from Trinidad at the age of seven to the United States, where she would reconnect with her mother, Sita, and her mom's new husband, Craig. The move from Trinidad to the United States was a big one and would cause Rhea to grow up feeling very out of place, isolated, and confused. She took solace in the Bible and the Lord, but found herself becoming very frustrated when she would sit reading the Bible, trying to understand it alone. Rhea was seeking some sort of comfort or companionship that she just could not secure. That was until a little while after graduating high school. Rhea met and started dating a guy by the name of Robert Thompson. He wouldn't turn out to be all that she thought he was. He was a troublemaker, he didn't have any real direction in life, and he would end up in jail. But even then, Rhea always tried to see the good in him, regardless of his flaws and regardless of the fact that he was physically abusive towards her. And she always asked others to do the same. Just see the good in him. Somewhere deep down, Robert is a good person. But even with all that, their relationship came to an end when Robert decided that the relationship just wasn't for him. Well, Rhea was pregnant. But even then, she didn't want her son growing up without his father. And so baby Javon would see his dad only once in a while when Rhea would take him to the Baltimore jail on visiting days where Robert was serving his sentence. Things at home were pretty tough for Rhea. The relationship with her stepdad was deteriorating, which didn't help her relationship with her mom. And even more so now that she was pregnant. Rhea says that it was her stepdad's drinking that would bring on the violence that he displayed, and when he would get too drunk, it would cause him to become physically abusive. Craig doesn't deny all of the abuse, but says that he only remembers some of the incidents that Rhea speaks of. Rhea, though, remembers every one of those instances very clearly, and she says that she'll never forget the time that Craig choked her while she was pregnant with Javon. Once Javon was born, tensions in the house began to amplify, making it an even worse environment than it was for everybody, and especially the baby. Rhea learned very quickly that if she wanted a happy home, somewhere where she could raise her son within a Christian faith, she was going to have to work for it. And so she enrolled in classes to become a pharmacy technician, but those classes didn't last long because the long hours away from baby Javon were hard for Rhea, and so she ended up dropping out. She once again found herself in isolation, not knowing what was next for her. And we all know that feeling of defeat. Imagine being 18 years old with a newborn baby feeling that. It's got to be deafening. It was on a call with an old friend from high school, Tiffany Smith, that Rhea believed she'd found the path for her and baby Javon. It was the same direction that Tiffany had went when she had her baby, and she was now living a life that she dreamed of as a stay-at-home mom. Tiffany was able to be at home with her child while practicing her faith with a comfortable lifestyle, and all of this intrigued Rhea, because that's exactly what she had wanted for so long. So after hearing all of this about Tiffany's new great lifestyle, Rhea asked Tiffany, okay, all of that seems good and great, but where do you live? And Tiffany replied, my father's house. 
And I guess there were a lot of people that lived at Tiffany's, quote, father's house, and they began to hop on the phone talking to Rhea themselves, telling them what an amazing life they have living there, actively recruiting her to come and live with them and bring the baby. The baby can come too, obviously. And it was with every question that Rhea asked them that they had an answer, and all of the answers were really good ones. The people on the other end of the line were telling Rhea everything that she wanted to hear. She could stay home with her son. She didn't have to leave him with anybody. There was no reason to go through any schooling. Anything that she would need would be provided to her and the baby. And she could raise Javon on her own, which they knew was so important to her while practicing the Christian faith. Rhea knew that Tiffany wasn't really at her father's house. But at this moment, she really didn't care if she was or if she wasn't. Rhea was desperate to leave her own house. In recent days, Rhea had become very suspicious that her mother was trying to get custody of baby Javon from her. So the more and more that Tiffany and all these people on the other end of the phone line told her how great their living situation was amongst each other, the better it all sounded. Little did Rhea know she was about to enter into the One Mind Ministries cult. An absolutely destructive cult that was led by an awful, awful human being. In April 2006, Rhea had her mom drive her and the baby to a nearby park for a few hours so they can get some fresh air and play, which was nothing out of the ordinary. Well, a short time after arriving at the park, a car arrived to pick them back up again. They were going to be on their way to Tiffany's so-called father's house, a.k.a. One Mind Ministries cult. With not many belongings between the two of them, except for a few outfits for the baby and the clothes on Rhea's back, they arrived at One Mind Ministries. When she arrived at One Mind Ministries, Rhea was ordered to hand over her cell phone to the spiritual leader of the house, Queen Antoinette. She and the other members of the house destroyed all of Rhea's identifying documentation, letting her know that she'll no longer be needing any of that. So after showing Rhea around her new home, her and Queen Antoinette sat down. Queen Antoinette explained to Rhea that all of her orders came from God, so if they ever seemed strict, it was because they were coming from him, but assured her those orders were all she would ever need as long as she was living under that roof. Rhea was taken shopping for some new clothes in the colors blue, white, and khaki, which were the colors that God favored, according to Queen Antoinette. Shortly after arriving to the house, it was apparent that Queen Antoinette called all of the shots while her boyfriend, Steve, worked to support everyone that was living inside of the house. There were 10 of them, including Steve, Queen Antoinette, Tiffany, Tiffany's baby, And a few others, Queen Antoinette's daughter, Tevia Williams, who went by Princess Tevia, Queen Antoinette's chief aide, Marcus Cobbs, and Prince Marcus. There were a few others, but these are the ones that are relevant to this story. So Rhea understood that she was not to ever leave the house unless she was in the company of another member. All cult members travel together. You guys, don't forget that. And anyone who defied Queen Antoinette's word, their lives would result in damnation. Rhea thought all of this was a little strange and extreme, but she wasn't from the United States, so she tried to keep an open mind and not think too much of it and just concentrate on the reason why she was there. And that was for herself and for her baby Javon. Antoinette had her eyes on those two, especially the baby from the moment that they walked in. 
Anything that the baby did, Queen Antoinette pointed out all of his wrongdoings, letting Rhea know everything that he did wrong, which in itself was weird because he was just over a year old. Antoinette made comments to Rhea about the baby saying that there was something very wrong with the child and that he had the spirit of rebellion within him. Rhea didn't think so. He was a sweet little baby boy and she didn't think there was anything wrong with him, but Antoinette was getting her command from God. Could he have been communicating with the queen about the baby? This all made Rhea think. Queen Antoinette demanded that Javon say the word amen at dinner time one day. And when he couldn't, because he was only a year old, like 14, 15 months, there was a lot of words that he couldn't say or wouldn't say, Queen Antoinette demanded that Rhea stop feeding him and giving him anything to drink in an effort to strip the evil that was coming from within him. If anything could exercise a baby, it's starvation. And she reassured Rhea that he would be fine throughout the process. This needed to be done and it was the only way to rid her sweet baby of all of the evil from within him. Rhea did as she was told by her spiritual leader out of fear and it was not easy. She was constantly second guessing herself and she tried to gather the courage to run away from the cult that she'd found herself a part of. But the place was scary. Her new home was scary. The people that were around her were scary. And she was still just a teenager. A teenager who found herself trapped. At first she felt like she was trapped on the inside before she left her parents' house. And now she felt like she was trapped on the inside emotionally and on the outside physically. No matter how far down she dug, running away just wasn't an option. So she made the decision to follow Queen Antoinette's word, even though it left her feeling crippled. Rhea just didn't know what to do. She watched her friend Tiffany give birth to a child in home without any medical attention besides the guidance from Queen Antoinette, and it wasn't pleasant. Queen Antoinette quoted the Bible after all of her orders in an effort to strip the pain that Tiffany was experiencing away. And Rhea knew that it wasn't helping at all. She was witnessing Tiffany giving birth to this baby and she felt completely helpless and she felt so bad for Tiffany. But she couldn't question it and neither could Tiffany. You never question Queen Antoinette's authority. But even with that, all Rhea wanted to do was feed her son and give him something to drink. Queen Antoinette could sense Rhea's temptation to feed little baby Javon and she saw that the temptations were strong. So to be sure that Rhea didn't give in to temptation, Queen Antoinette assigned Princess Tevia 24-hour care over baby Javon. The baby was fussy and tired. He was starving and thirsty. Rhea thought to herself as she watched on if she could only teach the baby to say the word amen. The torture on his body would be over before it was too late. Rhea thought many times about going against Queen Antoinette's orders, but remembered Queen Antoinette's guarantee of eternal damnation. No one inside the house seemed to be bothered by baby Javon's cries for food or water, except for his mom, Rhea. But even she didn't know how much longer she could take it because all of it had been going on for longer than a week. It would be in about December 2007 or January 2008 that Queen Antoinette finally ordered Princess Tevia to return baby Javon over to Rhea so he could be fed. 
but the orders came only seconds before baby Javon took his last breath inside of his mother's arms. Queen Antoinette barked orders at everyone to kneel and pray over the baby's body for his resurrection, while assuring Rhea that all they had to do to bring him back was exactly what she said. But they all had to have faith or else he wasn't coming back. For days and days, Rhea and the others prayed over baby Javon. It wasn't until his body started to decompose that Rhea found herself to be the only one that stood with his body, singing, dancing, and praying over him. Rhea was crying and questioning why Javon wasn't coming back to life, and Queen Antoinette explained to her that it was because of her. It was her fault. If she had only been a good enough mother, and if she had only held any sort of faith, none of this would have ever happened. All of this chaos seemed to really bother Queen Antoinette's boyfriend, Steve, who was a provider for all of them. He soon stopped paying the rent and stopped buying any of the necessities for anyone inside the house. And he finally found the courage one day to leave all of it behind without telling anyone where he was going. So with the rent being unpaid, all of them faced eviction and it was apparent that they were going to have to find somewhere else to go and some means of supporting themselves. Queen Antoinette gave Rhea a suitcase to stow baby Javon's body inside of until they figured out their next move. The suitcase would be doused with disinfectant spray and stuffed with fabric softener sheets in an effort to mask the smell of decomposition. Rhea, even with all of this, still didn't understand why it was all happening and why God's plan included this and when, when, when was her son going to come back to her. She dug deep and she remembered Queen Antoinette saying that she knew best. She got her orders from Jesus and baby Javon would come back to her. She just had to keep the faith. Queen Antoinette moved the entire cult from Baltimore to a Pennsylvania hotel room where they all stayed for a very short time before being evicted by the police. While being escorted out of the hotel room, a police officer unknowingly helped Rhea with the suitcase that contained baby Javon's corpse, having no idea. Another person that had no idea what this group of people were up to or what they were traveling with was an old man that Queen Antoinette met around town. She was able to sweet talk the old man to allowing the members to store all of their belongings inside of a shed on his property, including the suitcase. The group from there moved to New York and into an apartment that was once occupied by the owner's family. That was until Queen Antoinette, again, sweet-talked her way into someone's psyche. She was able to have the owner of that apartment agree to evicting his family so her and the cult could move in, which is insane. I'm sure he didn't know it was a cult, but what in the world did she say to this guy that would have him evict his whole entire family and allow these complete strangers to move in when they didn't even have any money? So investigators were led to baby Javon's body inside of a suitcase that was being stored inside of that random man's shed for the past like year. The discovery only came because Sita finally reported Rhea and the baby missing. So the discovery of the baby led to Rhea being arrested and charged with first degree murder. Queen Antoinette, Marcus Cobbs, Tevia Williams, who's Princess Tevia, were also charged with the baby's death as they sat in jail on unrelated crimes. 
Steve was also located and he was charged with his involvement in the torturous death of baby Javon. Rhea would plead guilty to murder in a plea deal that stated if baby Javon came back to life, all of the charges against her would be dropped. This is like the craziest case of brainwashing like on any level that I've ever heard, you guys. Because she still believed after all this time that the baby was still going to come back to her. It's insane. So along with that plea deal, she also had to testify against Queen Antoinette, all of the other cult members, and complete a long-term inpatient treatment program. And this was because the judge felt that there was nowhere else that Rhea belonged outside of that inpatient facility that was going to give her the treatment that she needed to bring her back from cult life to real life and help her deal with all of the trauma that she'd been through under Queen Antoinette's rule. Rhea's family would stand beside her and be a huge support throughout all of this. When they were first reunited with Rhea, the condition that she was in, all they say is, we saw a zombie. We saw an empty shell. Speaking to her was even difficult. It was an awful sight. Her family told the courts that they felt that she should not be responsible for the baby's death, citing a loss of control over not only her own life, but the baby's life while she was a part of One Mind Ministries cult. After her treatment, she was to serve five years of probation. So the other cult members involved, they were sentenced to a total of 150 years for the death of baby Javon. Antoinette, who represented herself at the trial, told the court that her telling Rhea and the others to not feed baby Javon was only a suggestion, not an order. No one in that courtroom believed her for like even the slightest second. So later on, Rhea would admit to not having any feeling for a really long time after the death of her son, and she openly and often used the word crazy to describe all of the actions that led to her son's death and thereafter. Many people wonder why Rhea's sentence was so much lighter than all of the others involved. At only 19 years old at the time of her son's death, she found herself in a cult under the rule of Queen Antoinette, a self-proclaimed spiritual leader. Rhea's eyewitness testimony was also necessary in order to convict all of the others involved, especially the most dangerous, Queen Antoinette. Professionals believe that Rhea had no ill will towards her son and found herself being brainwashed by Queen Antoinette at a time when she was very, very vulnerable. No one believed that Rhea had any intention of ever harming her baby, not her friends, not her family, not anybody within the justice system. Someone has been through some stuff if they're going on believing for years after their child's death that there's still a chance that they could be resurrected. Rhea wholeheartedly believed that Queen Antoinette had the baby's best interests in mind at the time that everything was happening. The fact that she believed that he was possessed, Rhea appreciated at that time, and her attempt to rid his small body of all of the evil was what Rhea believed had to happen, not realizing that Queen Antoinette was actually the evil spirit. Years after her son's death, Rhea participated in her first interview. And she says, that is my life, and those are the choices that I've made, and those were the fears that I dealt with, no matter how ridiculous they may seem to someone else. 
And that, you guys, is the story of Rhea and baby Javon. You guys can hop on YouTube and search for Javon Thompson Rhea interviews and you can see a lot of very real and raw footage of her speaking with different journalists and just telling her story. It's really something that's unbelievable, at least to me. So if that's something that you want to do, you can YouTube it. There's a ton of stuff out there. It's not hard to find. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you guys all back here next Friday with a brand new episode. This episode was written and researched by me, Raina, and edited by Jules. Bye, guys.